on this week's episode of the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Podcast, the new standalone is here. We talk about it at length. Also, Teabags begrudgingly picks five favorite songs of all time. He cheats, of course, so come on in and listen. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 18. Like Alice Cooper in 1971 and Peyton Manning. Tonight, we are number 18. I'm Foggy, and as always, I'm with Teabags and JPP. Good evening, fellas. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Somber yet dramatic intro here. I feel it. I like it. I can't tell you how many times I hear that from people. You seem both somber and dramatic. So, <laughs> yeah. How fitting. That's so how are your weekends? Great. It's uh, not spring yet, but yeah, I'm making do. How about y'all? Yeah, it was good. I'm kind of uh, into the new Alliance of American Football League. And so we just kind of randomly pick teams that work, and my team is 2-0. But I really like the league, so uh, I've been watching football still, so that's a good thing. Nice. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the rules changes and the uh, the fact that the NFL can break them out, test them uh, nope. before they actually implement them into the NFL games. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. How was your weekend, Steve? Pretty good. I'm really excited. I don't know if you guys have watched it yet, but um, the Umbrella Academy, great comic book series, just started on Netflix. Um, I've only watched the first episode, but it was fantastic. I was worried that a property that I love so much was going to be just destroyed on TV, but, um, they managed to take the quirkiness of the characters and make it into a good drama. Um, like the first episode was really just a big dysfunctional family drama, um, with just a little bit of that Gerard way kookiness thrown in. So (laughs) really good. I would highly recommend getting in on watching that one. Good. Yeah. Well, shall we dive in? Okay, so this week, I was the idiot who created this challenge and then instantly hated myself for it. (laughs) Um, It was to to choose your five favorite songs of all time. Um, And to clarify, I didn't say the best songs or the most influential songs because, like for my, you know list. I I don't have any Beatles or anything like that, which clearly on a list like that should be on there. Um, This is just simply your favorite songs for whatever reason. So um, if all of us have a hundred, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah. Going back to how was my weekend? uh, Full of anxiety, (laughs) hatred, (laughs) angst. (laughs) Thanks. for. (laughs) Yeah, this is, I mean, I still have, this is, uh, this is no lie. I still have Amazon gift cards from November. I can't decide on what to buy. And I still have in my drawer a board, uh, a Borders book. <laughs> Remember Borders bookstore? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I still have a gift certificate there because I could never decide. <laughs> so you're asking me to pick my favorite songs. I can't believe I even came up with any. But anyway, <laughs> thanks a lot. Should, should we roundtable this one at a time until we get to one and then do our honorable mentions? I think so. Yeah, um, and I'm just gonna say right off the bat, every time I turn around, I think of another song. So my list of five could, outside of maybe one or two, be completely different tomorrow. Who knows? Yes, exactly. It kind of goes based off your mood. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I joked last week. It's like you know, the bands were your kids, the songs are your grandkids, but you don't go and rotate favorite grandchildren. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like I was hung, hanging out with so and so, so we had a good time, and they're on my mind, and and that kind of thing. So you're circulating uh, your favorite tunes based off of what you 
you've been listening to, what's fired you up, and then you hear another song and say, like, oh, that reminds me, I need to go check this out, and then you're on a whole other path the next day or the next week. So this is this is damn near impossible, but it was still fun <laughs> to kind of go back and find a couple things. Yeah, and I'll say also that was really tough was like, you might have one band that has a very eclectic style, so just based on your moods, you know, whether you're happy or sad, you're angry, whatever, you could find songs from their catalog pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So it's hard just to even get outside of one or two bands, you know, let alone yeah. the whole music catalog in the world. Right, right. But anyway, <laughs> at least Steve had trouble too. That makes me feel better. Right. Yeah, this was awful. I, I take full <laughs> blame for this one. This might have been the dumbest <laughs> challenge ever. So, Well, yeah. you know, hearing Tony's disdain through the week, um, the GIF exchanges, or GIF exchanges, pardon me, tomato, tomato, w- right. were priceless. <laughs> I liked yours this morning where you're like, okay, that clears things up. And the Mayhem guy is just like having a tantrum in the back of the car. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I can totally relate to that. Relatable. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I could talk on that the entire hour of how, how frustrated I was. But So let's just jump in. But I do think you're going to be out... so excited about my next one. It's going to be your top five albums of all time. <laughs> you're going to be excited about my next one. Oh, crap. Yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We'll do roundtable number five. And um, we'll start off with JPP and then swing it around the horn. All right. So I do have some honorable mentions on there, too. It really is not in any particular order. I wanted to, um, well, I say that, but there's the ones that get into the top three certainly become more um, in, in a particular order. But the ones that are in honorable mention in four and five are certainly just kind of jumbled together. I'm going to pick out of the, the bottom of the list here. Uh, it's called All I Need by the band Air. It's a real nice mellow tune. It has some good Moog synth in it, uh, some acoustic guitar, really cool laid-back drums, great female vocals. And that kind of hit me at a time when, after playing a lot of metal music and metal bands, I started playing in a jazz reggae band called Low Key Combo. And I was looking for fresh sounds. And so riding in the minivan with my buddy Greg, who was in the band, I bought that CD. We popped it in, and we were actually heading down to Indianapolis to go buy more CDs. And uh, we put that on repeat. We didn't even listen to what we just bought. We listened to that CD on the way down and on the way back. So um, that's a tune that always sticks out to me as just a real great vibe whenever I want to just chill and kind of re-energize myself. I go to that tune. So that's my number five. Cool. Yeah. So my approach was, since I, you know, I'm going to cheat, was I (laughs) I narrowed it down to bands and then I picked two songs for every slot. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. And then I have an honorable mention. So I technically have 11 songs, but, or 12. (laughs) So uh, anyway, (laughs) but I'll make it quick. Um, So my number five slot was uh, Cannonball by Damien Rice and The Box by Damien Rice. And I've told stories before how he came to, uh, I actually didn't like him the first time I heard him. Then I started loving his music, and then these two just kind of rose to the top over the years. And uh, The Box, if you guys ever get a chance to listen to it, um, it, the lyrics are great. I love it because he's just like a poetic guy with a guitar. But um, The Box, I thought for the longest time, was about a relationship, about somebody holding somebody back. And then there there was a concert footage I saw and he was talking about how it was a song written to himself and like that inner voice that holds us back. 
So it was kind of a relationship with himself, and that was interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Steve? So um, I just picked albums, like 100, and then I chose three from each. So um, <laughs> I'll keep it fast. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, my number five is um, Welcome to the Black Parade for two reasons. It's uh, it's kind of like a teeny bopper girl, high school girls song, at least when it came out, you know, but it just really, I thought, crossed generations pretty well. And then what really clinched it for me, I think I heard about this actually the first time on um, Kevin Smith podcast, but they play that song on a video with Wayne Gretzky. Um, and when you play that music to Gretzky playing, that really just kind of synced it up for me and uh, cinched that as as my number five song. Plus, I like the meaning. I like the the lyrics. I think it's a pretty pretty good song. Sweet, yeah, it's a good song. But what do you what do you mean that they play it with Wayne Gretzky? They Ooh. they have this video. It's an Edmonton Oilers video, but it's highlighting Gretzky, and it's the soundtrack to it is "Welcome to the Black Parade." Okay, you can. I think gotcha. you can find it on YouTube. If I find it, I'll I'll put the link in the show notes. Gotcha. Uh, but it's really cool. Nice. Okay. You wouldn't think of it, but it works. Yeah. All right, top, Paul, number four. Top that, Paul. <sighs> yeah, number four, Dogman <laughs> by King's X. It's, uh, it's a banger. It, King's <laughs> X has been a really cool band through the years. Uh, I really really appreciated just how melodic they were. Um, the guitar work was very kind of intricate, had an interesting tone to it as well, just kind of tight and punchy. But this particular album, that's the opener of the the album, the self-titled, uh, or not self-titled, but Dogman, same title basically. It just comes at you at 11, and the riff is just killer. And when I first heard that, it was uh, at Karma Records when I was working there. CD came in, popped it in, and Winston, my buddy Winston and I were just blown away, and we played that constantly for months it was one of our top albums for sure for for that year and three-piece band i know i've talked about them before in previous episodes but the fact that they can really make a small club sound like you're getting melted at an arena with their intimate rig is fantastic too so um you know th- it was tough to to whittle it down but that one stood out just for the heaviness of it and the impact and hearing them play it live too was incredible so that one is always a, a song that i'll go to when i'm in the mood for something heavy but with a nice melodic vocal too doug pinnock is very soulful with his voice and it's always worth a listen because he d- never disappoints basically i can't wait to hear that i've actually never heard the song no oh. Yeah, you would be pleasantly surprised, I think, because it's, uh, it's, like I said, it's a banger. Okay, and it's in JPP's top five, so <laughs> I got to check that out. Cool. It's a top five banger. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Just um, don't look for that in the back section of a video store. Don't look for <laughs> yeah. top five banger. I'm looking for <laughs> top five banger. <laughs> right this way, sir. Let me. Uh, you have singles? Yeah. Okay. So, um, this will come as a surprise to you guys, but Nine Inch Nails made it as my f- number four slot. What? I know. Crazy, right? Such a letdown. You can still drink to that, folks. <laughs> yes. It's actually probably more of my number three, but just, um, I didn't want to go back and format my notes. <laughs> I was already so frustrated. <laughs> but, uh, I, th- it, that was probably the most impossible challenge is once I got it down and you guys know Nine Inch Nails is almost my favorite band, you know? So, mm-hmm. I'm like, and that's where I brought in that topic of like, it's so eclectic. I mean, you can have something 
some soft piano thing from Nine Inch Nails, like a warm place, and then you can have like Mr. Self-Destruct, you know? Right. All over the board. So um, I had to just narrow that down to things that like meant something to me. Like I heard them in special moments in my life and they stuck with me. So um, without going into all of those moments, um, uh, so and all that could have been off of the Still album, that I remember exactly where I was when I heard that song and I remember uh, lots of different drives and things where it, the song just matched the scenery and the feeling and everything. So, and then something I could never have from back in the day, you know, after coming to like Nine Inch Nails and the teenage angst feel and all the stuff, it was like a really dark and kind of scary song, but it was also beautiful that he, it was just a piano, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then that one has stuck with me over the years, especially seeing them live and seeing them do it live. It's like, it's almost evolved into a new version of itself. That's even better than the, the first. Very cool. I think, and all that could have been, they came out when we were still in college. Am I correct? Yeah, I think it was like 2001 or something like that. Yeah, because I, I remember I remember you talking about how you couldn't wait for me to hear it, and I went and bought that disc set because it had the acoustic performances too on there. Yeah, like it, it was like coming and yeah, uh, and, and all that stuff, and then they had the compliment, not complimentary, but the, the companion uh, live album. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and. I was floored equally with that live album as far as just hearing the intimate performances on there as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, it's funny because whenever I hear and all it could have been, I do think of you and your enthusiasm for that (laughs) tune at the time. That's kind of cool that we like our circles overlap so much that when I share a moment, you actually were kind of there too. So yeah, exactly. Hey, we should start a social media site where we have circles. Like, uh, plus, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what? It's been done? Yeah. Or maybe I thought I had like, something. What about one that's like a wave? <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Steve, but uh, Google Plus is on its way out. <laughs> yeah. What? I was just getting on board. That, that's where he posts our podcast. Oh, man. I was thinking about slipping <laughs> over from MySpace. <laughs> nice. I like it. <laughs> All right, Steve, I'm done talking about Nine Channels. Guys, I'm done. I don't have any other ones. I couldn't think of any songs. <laughs> I bet Rush is on there. They might be. Um <laughs> but unlike you, I'm not a puss, I put him at number one. So anyway, <laughs> um <laughs> my number four is Girlfriend by Matthew Sweet. Oh yeah. And it was it was kind of up there with that and Evangeline, but um God, I was on a kick for a few years where it was just everything Matthew Sweet. I don't know what it is. He doesn't have like this beautiful voice or anything but man he sounds great when he sings um and the the guitar the the driving guitar sounded really like we just did bob mold the other day there's something about it that reminds me of him too maybe that's why i like it so much but he came out at that time um when alternative music was was starting to grow and get a lot bigger and he was similar and yet was really separate but uh really had a hook that i loved and, and he got a place in my heart and um I almost went up to number two with Girlfriend, but I picked number four. That's cool. Matthew Sweet was, he was somebody that when I listened to it, I didn't shy away or be like, uh, and turn it off. But I remember with working at the record store, we had a couple of promo albums that would come in that were compilations. And every once in a while, depending on the associate who wanted it the most, would, and when it expired, we get to take them home. That was a nice perk. I didn't get that one, but uh, I remember he had a couple of tunes on uh, a handful of them that came in through the through the years. And, and um, Shannon, who I mentioned in the last episode, she was a big Matthew Sweet fan, and she uh, listened to them quite a bit, in, or him, rather, in, in, in the store. And so, um, you know, 
know, you mentioning that brings back memories there as well. But yeah, real solid songwriter, solid tunes, and it was always a good time. That's a good choice. Thank you. That's a good choice. I I oddly remember him from a compilation album more than anything. Well, do you remember the? Wasn't there like no alternative or some? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's okay. got one on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can picture that uh, at discount then because that was always like there was a lot of Seattle artists or kind of up and coming people on there. Mm-hmm. Do I have they, the one with the spiral or the circles on the front? Yeah. Yep. That's yeah, the one okay. I remember. Yeah, they got that. Well, that's cool. Good choice. All right, JPP, that brings us up to number three. <sighs> this one was a tough one. I, uh, I This is one of my all-time favorite bands, and I could have gone back to a classic, but I went with something more modern, and I'll explain why in a minute. And it's For All Kings by Anthrax. It's off their latest album. Nice. And the reason I chose that is they've had a history, you know, of course, with a legacy of, of tunes and albums through the years. And they've had Joey Belladonna, then they went to John Bush and then Joey Belladonna is back. I love the John Bush era. I think Joey is fantastic too. I, what, what I love about Joey was just the fact that when they first came out and he was their singer, when their albums were picking up and, and you know, they were gaining a lot of momentum, that energy was youthful, vibrant, and just in your face. And the reason I picked for all Kings is they're much older now. They're seasoned musicians. But this, well, I mean, even worship music, but the album before, this particular album just really kind of revitalized that energy for me in the fact that, you know, they're back together, whatever hangups they had that caused the breakups and reuniting all that, that's over with. They just go out there and do a good job and, and melt your faces off. And this was just like, this epitomizes that um, that energy that they had before. And on top of it, with the modern production, the drums are just full and beefy. The guitars are fantastic. And, um, you know, it's just nice to hear that band how they sounded years ago but with modern high def resolution for audio recording if that makes sense so um yeah it's just that whole album i when i pop it on i'm just I, I feel grateful that you know that they are together in their form that they are now and that they're still doing what they do because you know a world without anthrax playing music to me would be a sadder place yeah me too actually here's something kind of interesting if I'm remembering this correctly, they were, you had mentioned the two different singers. Mm-hmm. At one point recently, I think they were struggling to have either, and they had actually been talking to Corey Taylor about doing the vocals on their most recent record. And I think he had actually signed up for it, and then at the last minute or something, it switched and... uh Belladonna came back, right? I remember seeing rumblings about that. I don't remember if it was uh, before worship music or before this album, but there were some back and forth, and I'm sure there was some business dealings that they were just trying to iron out. They had another singer entirely that I don't know that they ever mentioned his name. They started to record with him. It sounds like everything was already getting finished up, and then he got ditched, and then Joey came back in and, and finished up. So was that Corey? I don't know. But um, oh. nonetheless, you know, they, they got it worked out. And, and, you know, I'm sure nostalgia plays a big factor in terms of, you know, people definitely want what they're familiar with. But I'm glad that they buried the hatchet and are able to do what they do. Yeah, absolutely. You always want your bands yeah. to be together. Yeah, exactly. This is my anthrax. I want it this way kind of thing. Correct. <laughs> right. And I don't know if I know mine after I got done doing my list kind of had a little theme emerge. And Paul, your sounds like is face melting. 
might be yeah. your theme. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, face melting is, is certainly a critical <laughs> moment in my music. If it doesn't melt my face, then, you know, I, if I'm not at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, then don't even waste my Dang time. Dang it. I was going to pull that one out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, T-Bags, number three. Okay. And I'm just going to, for, for the record, I'm going to say three and four are still tied. But um, three is Sarah McLaughlin. And I've chosen Fumbling Towards Ecstasy, the song, and Ice off that same album. Love Ice. Yeah, I was about ice. ready to pull up a picture of a sad dog for a second there, but I didn't have to. <laughs> no, everybody pictures that when you <laughs> say her name. Um, but Fumbling Towards Ecstasy uh, is just a beautiful song anyway. Um, also a song at our wedding reception. Um, and then Ice is very like poetic. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's got a little bit of a dark theme for Sarah. Um, but there, the way that that thing was done, and there's little, like, it sounds like crickets in the background, and it's actually their drummer. I, I had a live DVD, so I'd watch real closely, and it was their drummer, like, making this noise with his mouth. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, But there's, and the, the, the drum, I don't know if it's a timpani drum, Paul, or what it's called, but it's real, like, deep, boomy when you hit it once. Yeah, and it has a kind of a pitch to it, like a boom. Yes. Yeah. Um. And that always gets me. Uh, I don't know why I love that drum. It's in a lot of Tool songs too. But um, so that really is. And I think well, I'll talk about the theme once I get uh, down to the first one. But those two songs, again, she's somebody that I could pick. You know, probably a dozen songs easy off the top of my head. But those are the two that stuck with me. That's awesome. Yeah. Sarah she McLaughlin. almost had one make mine as well. So, oh, go ahead, Paul. No, no, you're cool. Yeah, I was just going to say Sarah McLaughlin. Um, and whenever I think of her, I think of when I worked after I worked at Karma Records, I sold my soul for a bit and moved up to corporate record store retail in the mall. And um, anyway, it, it, I won't say the name, but it uh, rhymes with Blam Woody. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, we we had to play more friendly and safe albums, and Sarah McLaughlin's was one of them. So I would. Yeah play that quite a bit and it gave me a chance to listen to things i never never normally would listen to however if i had to hear space jam one more time if i had to hear savage garden one more time <laughs> sorry guys i'm starting to twitch and blink out here i know <laughs> come back to us paul yeah come back <laughs> there we go okay there he is <laughs> can't believe you worked at cram booty unbelievable <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yeah, well, you know, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. <laughs> okay, my number three. Number three. So this kind of goes along with a previous challenge that we had where, um, God, I can't remember what it was now, like a moment in time when something changed, like a band changed going forward. I can't remember what it was now, but I picked you two, and the mm. moment was Hawk Tongue. When, mm, okay. uh, do you remember that challenge? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Yep. Like 16 episodes ago. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. So Octungue Baby was that one for me where I just got disinterested from there on out. Prior to that, U2 was definitely one of my favorite uh, groups. I always looked forward when they came out, got it on the day it came out. And so my number three song is Sunday Bloody Sunday. Um, and to me, when U2 had a message or sang about you know, an injustice or something like that, that's the U2 that I liked. The, the the real in-depth, the meaningful. And um, I just remember as a kid watching that video at Red Rocks mm-hmm. in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like cold out and you can see his breath and uh, he's doing Sunday Blondies. It was just, that to me, that was 
perfect. Um, and that song will forever be etched in my heart as one of my top five. Awesome. So that's a no-brainer. That's that's a great tune, yeah. And Red Rocks is a dream venue for me to want to go to. So yes. anytime I do see that video, I'm like, oh, one day I will go and watch a show there. I've had some friends perform there, and I'm completely jealous. But um, and the song itself is very poetic in the way it was arranged. I mean, the drums just have that marching mm-hmm. flair, and it's just, you know, definitely tells a story with the sound on top of the lyrics and the, the melody. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like the perfect marriage. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I kind of miss that out of them. You know what I mean? Of course, they they write some good songs here and there too. These days, I haven't followed them nearly um, like I did in the years past. Although they did force a an album on my phone, and I never listened to it even. But um, <laughs> true, you know, talk about injustice. Yeah, yeah exactly. But nonetheless, um, <laughs> I, I still you know go back to those old songs, and you know, I was talking about energy with Anthrax. U 2s energy back then too was was something to you know, never forget as well. All right. We're up to number two. It's my turn, right? Yes, Yes, sir. All right. Here's another face melter. Get ready. (laughs) Okay. This is a song that, um, it's kind of like back when I had cable and it would be Sunday and you'd do your chores and you have nothing going on. You would turn on the TV and flip through and bypass a bunch of commercials and you'd see a movie on like, Oh, and you always sit down and watch that movie, no matter what's going on. It's like, I have to do dishes, but I'm going to watch a couple minutes of this. And then you finish the film. It's kind of like the fugitive. That's one of those movies that I always watch with Harrison Ford. But, um, this song is one of those, if I hear it, or if I see the CD, I'm popping it in. It's Holy Wars, the punishment due by Megadeth off of rust and peace. Um, when I bought that album, um, Actually, Persistence of Time and that album came out around the same time. I can't remember which one was a week before, but uh, basically I skipped eating lunch at school a couple days, both weeks, to make sure I had enough to cover the cost of the CD. But when this album came out and I popped that in, and I, you know, if, of course I'd seen the song on Headbangers Ball with the video, but you know, just hearing it in my headphones and just really being immersed in it instead of on a low volume while Dad's asleep on the couch and I'm trying to watch my heavy metal show, uh, <laughs> it was... It was a sacred experience, to say the least. And, you know, from the heaviness to then when Marty Freeman comes in with a little exotic, um, kind of a crazy Satari sounding clean solo, and then it gets heavy again. I mean, it was a journey. And so that opened my eyes to the diversity that thrash metal was becoming at that time. Megadeth and Metallica and Anthrax were definitely taking like three different directions, but just doing awesome things. And so I was just completely inspired at that time. So that will always stand out as a top, top song in my book. Yeah. Excellent. I love that. I I mean, I love Megadeth anyway. And, Gosh, I, I, that song, yeah, really stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I ended up at one point in time, though, I got uh, um, Holy Skirmishes at Blam Goody. I feel like I got ripped off a little bit. <laughs> you should have gone to Cram Booty. It was happening. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Um, no, but that uh, these are all good choices. And I, this is why I love what we're doing with this podcast right now is because I either hear new music from you guys or I get forced into go looking at something else or... <laughs> get reminded of things like this so mm-hmm. good and job. yeah also like you and i may have you know all three of us may have uh, a similar taste in this tune but hearing your perspective on it versus mine also might re, you know basically inspire me to want to listen to it from a different angle even and and just yeah. kind of refreshing the the whole perspective on it yeah for sure all right you ready for mine Number i'm two? ready yeah i'm ready for your next four here okay <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so this was a very close to my number one, but Tool, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Reflection, 
is uh, just one of my top songs. I've said it before, but part of my tattoo is based on that song, and it, it really like resonates with me how I feel about art in general and just people and how how you should be. And then um, Lateralis does the same thing, but in a different like driving way. Mm-hmm. As soon as Lateralis is, you know, into the into the heavy groove part towards the end, like I feel like I could go conquer the world. And uh, both songs, lyrically and musically, just kind of completely resonate with me personally. So mm-hmm. um, there's no way they couldn't make the list. But I, I just love those so much. Great choices, and it's hard to pick a favorite tool moment in, in a lot of mm-hmm. ways because there are so many just anthems on each album. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like magnum yes. opuses, and um, you just each one of them is a different journey, and it just kind of depends on which way you want to go that day. Yeah. And his writing style. I mean, I love, I, I've been watching a lot of reaction videos to people reacting to Tool. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny because he does leave the door open for interpretation. Yeah. I mean, or, and even when he's trying to be funny, like with Hooker with a penis, <laughs> I mean, there's a literal um, message in there, you know, yeah. <laughs> to be taken from it, even though there's, it's all wrapped up in humor and some kind of in your face, you know, screaming, but right. Uh, yeah, so I, I can't wait for their new album to come out. Hopefully, um, after all these years of waiting, it'll be good. It's June, right? June, yeah. that's what I'm hearing, yeah. And this time we mean it. Um, speaking <laughs> of, I don't know about you guys, quick side rant. I hate it when you're on your phone, you're looking, scrolling through Facebook, and you go to click on something and the feed refreshes and takes you back to the top by default. Yes. Mm-hmm. So just when I was about to save an image, it, there's an announcement that Tool's going to play in Chicago in May with The Prodigy and a handful of other bands. Have you seen anything on that? No, that sounds great. I thought so. All right, yeah, so here it is. Chicago Open Air. Um, Didn't Grant Park? Sounds like it, yeah. System of a Down, Tool, uh, The Prodigy, Ghost, and more. Wow, I'm there. (laughs) I wonder how much those will be. That's a good question. Oh, Gojira is going to be there too. It sounds like so that'll be an interesting. That means we could see them twice this yeah. summer because they're supposed to be a Slipknot as well. If that stands true. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, Steve's go. All right, I guess that's up to me now. Yeah. Yes. Number two, my choice was theme song to the Facts of Life. <laughs> you take the good. You no, take wait good a minute. Life. That's the wrong list. Never mind. Sorry. Never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, my number two. I think I've actually talked about this song on this show before is uh, Mayonnaise by Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, one of my all-time favorites. Still, like Paul said, when you come across something and you just got to stop and watch it or, let, you know, never miss an opportunity to listen to it whenever it comes on. Yeah. And I remember one of the things that really solidified it for me when I was younger is they did, um, I can't remember where it was now, but you know when your band goes in and they go into like a little record store or a bookstore and it's really mm-hmm. closed in and they play a little song or whatever um and that i heard it there live and it was so good and it was just raw and stripped down and um that right there did it for me and then of course uh my wife loves that song so whenever it comes on you know we tune in together so it's kind of our special smashing pumpkin song um and i've seen it played live numerous times now and uh, just amazing i i love that song and um it's always it, it really could have been my number one I was I was surprised it's not. So when you say you heard it live, stripped down, were you there in attendance or you heard it? Like no, this that time no. But I've seen it uh, in person in a small venue and then in an arena. Well, a couple times in an arena outdoors. Um, it's fantastic every time. 
no matter where it's played. The stripped down when I got on a an import, um, I think when I was in Bloomington or I just moved to Indianapolis, and um, is that, maybe it was at a radio station. If I find that version, I will post it in the show notes. Cool. Um, okay. And he ends up kind of like screwing up the words and laughing at the end, which just mm-hmm. kind of makes it real, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really I like remember. That. I seeing it with you at um, the Egyptian room. Is that where it was? The Egyptian room. The oh no, uh, that was we just saw Billy Corgan by himself. Oh, that's right. But still, he played mayonnaise. So that was different altogether. But okay, it's best with James Eha. Okay, because he's, <laughs> he's super corny. Yes. Was that cool. Billy Corgan uh, performance when he had that debut solo album in the mid two thousands? This was, um, he's had a couple of solos. This was about three years ago, wasn't it, T-Bags? Yeah, I think so. It was, it, he played most of it on piano. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it was a really nice show. Um, really yeah. stripped down. Sweet. Okay, so real fast before we get to our number ones, T-Bags, do you have two for your number one? Of course. Including your, let's do our honorable mentions. Okay. So that we don't fizzle out on, yeah, here's our best songs, and then these are our also rands. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yes. So let's go ahead and do our honorable mentions first, and we'll do our number ones. Cool. Paul, what are your honorable mentions? I'm going to just list them out just for for brevity instead of going through in, um, on a round yeah. table fashion. Perfect. Nine Inch Nails made my list. I didn't put them in the top five um, because I know Tony would, their teabags would in some fashion. <laughs> so uh, I went with Last off of the Broken EP. Um, that album, when I first <laughs> got it, <clears throat> excuse me, and I heard it, I was uh, in high school and there was a. Uh, a young lady that I was hanging out with a lot of the time, and she kind of broke my heart a little bit in, in the typical <laughs> high school drama, if you will. So that album yeah. was my way of being, you know, getting through that uh, resentment pretty easily. Okay. I would uh, type out the lyrics in my typing class to practice and just really <laughs> Im- embedded myself in that album. And, and uh, just that tune itself was just fantastic and uh just yeah. gave up trying to figure it out my head got lost along the way and all that kind of stuff so oh, man. you know i wanted to put it in the top five but i just i had to handle the other ones too so that was tough but you know nine inch nails is definitely in my top five favorite bands of all time uh also i chose a tune called heroes by ronnie size and represent it's a uk drum and bass from the mid 90s has a lot of upright bass samples great female vocals great break beats and just really well produced and that album itself new forms is a great album i highly suggest it if you want to try something that maybe not in your wheelhouse but has some cool funky grooves and just really fast fast-paced energy. Ronnie Size is definitely a way to go. My other honorable mention, I just have a third one. It's Butterfly Caught by Massive Attack. Great tune, real dark, real droning, and those guys are just fantastic artists as a whole. They have great collaborators that come in and work on their albums, and um, they really evolved their sound through the years, and everything's more kind of quiet vocally and monotone, but it just works so well. They just paint this dreary picture that you you find yourself getting immersed in this universe that you didn't know existed with these guys. And you, chances are listeners out there, you've heard massive attack and didn't realize it. If you've watched the show house, one of their singles is the theme song from the show. Wow. Yeah. I love that band. I mean, teardrop is probably what they've heard. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Great choices. And last, what you should have done is put some run up to that girl put last on throw some headphones on her and watch her face melt <laughs> yeah definitely here you go take that <laughs> that's right 
<laughs> no, I remember that when Broken came out, it was such a departure from Pretty Hate Machine. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, kind of like almost uh, poppy hooks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that layered guitar, man. Mm-hmm. And it's it. really silly, too, because it's like there was it was high school. Certainly wasn't anything serious. It was like, hey, you're a cool guitar player and hanging out and paying attention to me. Then she hung out with another guitar player that was a doofus in my mind. And I was like, well, fine, <laughs> be that way. I'll go listen to some Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> There you go. Uh, such a past life ago. My God. <laughs> I know. It's weird listening to some of these things. It feels like you barely remember <laughs> that yeah. that was even you. It's like, you know, watching a movie of somebody else's life. Yep. Exactly. Um, <laughs> shockingly, I only have two honorable mentions. <gasps> I, I know. I didn't realize that uh, I could have an endless list. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Um,. <laughs> So this is by, I mentioned this band before, but a band called Over the Rhine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Out of Ohio. And um, there's a song called When I Go that is just beautiful. Um, definitely, it's going to be in the show notes, so you got to check it out. And then Latter Days, which I've mentioned before, is a song that, that was the first song I ever heard by them. And it blew me away, and it was, you know, not something you, they were on no, on no major label. There was nothing. It was just awesome. And I remember hearing it in my apartment in Muncie and... Uh, that actually started later on in life, the the seeds for the book that I would try to write, and I am now finishing. Sweet. <laughs> yes. Nice. What was Stevie? the first song by Over the Rhine? Oh, When I Go. When I Go. Okay. Uh-huh. I always try to write these down so I can go back and revisit. Cool. In case you jack up the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> at some point in time, before you get to your Steve, at some point in time, we should pick like a song that we haven't heard out of, that each of us mention and... Like, review that on a future episode. Sounds like a fantastic idea. Yeah. Thanks. But that's not sounds the like new a, challenge. Sounds okay. like a better challenge than this one I, I chose. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I, I have more than you guys do for my honorable mentions, but I'm not going to talk about them. I'm just going to list them. Okay. And uh, are you ready? Yes. Mm-hmm. There's 50. Here we go. No, I'm just kidding. There's not that many. <laughs> um, this one seriously almost made the top five because it just makes me genuinely happy every time I hear it. And it's Yoda's theme from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Just makes me giddy. I love it. <laughs> um, catch and Release from Silver Sun Pickups. Oh, wow. Absolutely love that song. Uh, Peace Frog by The Doors. Yes. Surrender by Cheap Trick because we're all just a little bit weird. Good stuff. Uh, My Way from Frank Sinatra, because I think we would all like to do it our way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Black from Pearl Jam. Classic. That was another one that was tough to keep out of the top five. So good. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, Love Removal Machine from The Cult. Nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, 303150 from Tony. From ECE. Oh, sorry. I thought you said 5150. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was just testing you out there from Stone Sour. And then okay. um, Sabotage from the Beastie Boys. Oh, yeah. So that, that's Sorry, that's such odd timing. I just watched NWA on TV. <laughs> and then I thought you said 5150, and I was like, what? Really? Okay, sorry. Yeah. My mind nice went to though. Van Halen, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, that's the list, and that brings us up to our number one choices. JPP, are you ready? I'm ready, Freddie. Do it. This is a song, um, I think Tony may have mentioned it last week, and I'm not stealing it from him, but in, in the bottom of my heart, this is probably one of my all-time favorites, Orion by Metallica. Mm-hmm. Master of Puppets, fantastic album. Um, you know, Cliff Burton is heavily missed. We talked about him last week in the music news that, you know, his birthday was that day when we recorded. And 
he did so much musically for a, a fledgling genre of music even. You know, thrash was very punk-driven, so it was more basic, just high speed. But the melodies and the arrangements and just what he was doing with the bass in that song is fantastic. Um, and then just the overall chords that they were using in the song, they they kind of sung without having any words. Um, you know, just nice different changes of direction it's heavy it's in your face then it goes mellow for a bit nice harmonies and you know it was it's it's a beautiful song it's dare i say it you know almost perfectly arranged tune in that regard because it just takes you on a nice little journey you're in the valleys you're on the top of the hill you know you have your ups and downs and you know it it fades out at the end and you want more and you know what more can you ask for when when a song leaves you hanging like that you're just like ah so you know that's uh Again, one of those ones that if I see the CD, I, I've got to listen to Orion real quick. Or if I'm going through a playlist, I'm putting that on. So, number yeah. one. That's a, uh, such a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. All right. I'll be listening to that later again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm not um, surprised to find out that was uh, your number one band, though. That's right in line. I think I know what Tony's number one band's going to be. It'll who be do you think color. it is? Who? Pink, it'll be Pink Floyd. It is Pink Floyd. You're right. <laughs> nice. Um, I am, so this is, I consider this one song cause it all feeds into each other, but, uh, dogs, pigs, three different mm-hmm. ones and sheep, which are the three songs in the middle of, uh, the animals album, which is my mm-hmm. favorite album. Yes. Very good. Which I feel like doesn't get it to do in some senses because you've got these big, huge, like, you know, the wall, dark side of the moon. And then even wish you were here has wish you were here, which everybody loves. And then a lot of like shine on you, crazy diamond stuff for Sid. Mm-hmm. I feel like animals gets pushed to the side, but it is a concept album and um, it still applies today. It's really about the political structure. It's just so masterfully written, mm-hmm. but the dog, the dogs are like the, the people in business that, you know, dog eat dog world type thing, yep. get used up, chewed up and spit out. Um, and the pigs are the, the bureaucrats and the government and all that stuff. And, and the sheep obviously are the people uh, that either choose to follow or are made to follow. And it's all bookended by Pigs on the Wing, uh, which are, have two different versions. But um, if you go and listen to it, it is such a like wa- wild ride. And think of it in those terms. But the way that they change music, Gilmore gets in there, Rogers, Roger Waters sings. Um, and it's just, there's something there that literally, that's the easiest choice for me. Out of all of this, it was hard to find out what was going to follow that. But if you were to say, like, you need one album and you're going to go to an island, that's the only album you'll have. Pink Floyd Animals, easy. That's it. Great awesome. choice. Um, <laughs> such such a fantastic band. And I, I actually saw a, a video. I don't know how old it was. I'll have to put it in the show notes. But David Gilmore was talking about some of his old guitars. And if I remember correctly, it was early in the morning. I just had something on in the background as I was waking up and multitasking. But if I remember correctly, he sold off some of his guitars for charity, like some of his iconic instruments used on these albums and just hearing Mm -hmm. you know i had to go back and revisit it but just hearing him talk about you know this guitar had this feel and this is you know what what it contributed for me was it's like that that piece of history is a lot of times overlooked and you know these tools that these artists use to make their songs and you know david gilmore is no stranger to the fretboard and he's a fantastic musician so you know he's going to have something that's going to feel and sound right and course his fingers are a lot of that tone but he chose a particular guitar because that basically resonated with his soul in a way for him to convey 
on, you know, on an album. So, um, no, great choice. And, you know, I know I chime in on every, everything you guys talk about, but, um, okay. it just, it just takes me to that level because David Gilmore is one of those guys that, you know, when I hear him play, it's just like, wow. You know, it, he could yeah. just hold on one note and he just sells that note. You know, he's just an, an yeah. iconic musician in that regard. So, well, it was, well chosen. Uh, <clears throat> I could talk about Pink Floyd all day. So I'll just say this too, because you're bringing up David Gilmore. You, the whole Roger Waters, David Gilmore, like feud that mm-hmm. ended up like kind of separating them all. You couldn't really have one without the other. It took me a long time to really realize how much David Gilmore was uh, the big part of their success. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the, I, but Roger's mind is so crazy good about putting these concept albums together. Yeah. Um, from what I read after I went back and read about it, some of these songs were just like leftovers from other things that they reworked. And uh, and he kind of fit it all into this, and and kind of based it loosely on a uh, uh, Orwell's novel. Uh, what is it? Animal What's Farm. The, Animal Farm. Yeah. Very cool. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, but again, I don't know how that would be without Gilmore. So it's just to me, that's like the perfect blend, and it kind of sits underneath the radar from all the other um, big Pink Floyd albums. But you're right; it's it's absolutely as topical today. Um, when we saw Roger Waters two years ago. You know, they uh-huh. had the factory run the entire length of the arena, and then they had a giant floating pig with Trump <laughs> written all over it, floating around, you know, yeah. as he did the whole thing. So um, uh-huh. certainly very topical today and great. Yes. Okay. Steve. All right. Song. My number one is the theme song to different... Str- oh, crap. That's the wrong list again. <laughs> Dang it. I'm off tonight. No, I already told you. Time to drink up. It is Rush. Yeah. Can you guess the song? Uh, what's the what's the long story one that you twenty one twelve mentioned before? Yeah, that was uh, that was like my going to be, and it was kind of tied with this one because they're both okay. so very similar. It is Xanadu. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds exactly like it. No. <laughs> it's a lot like 2112 in that it's uh, adapting another story um, and then put into the usual, you know, the way that Rush does things with long intros and, and they uh, switch up uh, how the song is going. You've got Getty singing normally. You've got him screaming. Um, it's all over the place. It works wonderfully. It is. Th- this is the song that introduced me to Samuel Taylor Coleridge, the poet. And so Xanadu is, is the poem about Kublai Khan. And so Rush adapted that poem into this song. Um, and so they introduced me to him and they got me to Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner and Christabel. And so this song not only gives me great joy musically, but it also introduced me to something that I love to read. Um, yeah. And it just it's the perfect, I don't know, it's like a recipe of Rush songs with the intro, the buildup. Um, the crescendo of how, you know, it's just, it's, it's perfection. So, and it was amazing live as well. Would you say that that's one of those ones that you, like for me, it was like, you knew that was going to be number one, right? When you issued the challenge? No, because, well, it was that or 2112. Okay. I wasn't sure. And I had to nail it down because 2112 was also another song about a book (laughs) that they've adapted. Yeah. um, So would you say the tipping point was, uh, Olivia Newton, John? Well, it was that, it was leg warmers. (laughs) <laughs> That's okay. Good. You had me at leg warmers. 
Do you guys care if I really quickly just say something about themes here? Because if you guys have anything that emerged, I'd like to hear that from you too. Ooh, go for it. Okay. Um, themes as in all of us or just you? Well, I noticed after I did this, like, uh, that I had a theme emerge that was kind of like the sad songs were based off of things that I tried to control somewhere in my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And the songs that really resonate with me or that I love are songs that, um, kind of give in to the random or and, and kind of go with the flow as much as you can, like learning those lessons you learn as you get older mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and, and seeing people for brothers and sisters and, you know, and, and other human beings right. all the way through to um, that Pink Floyd thing still has that whole power struggle. I mean, it's, it's instead of internal, it's the external power struggle that you see, you know, and, um, and do you want to be, do you want to be any of those three? Do you want to be a dog, a pig or a sheep? But through it all, like I said, it just, I see, I saw a major theme arise in the fact that hopefully as I'm growing, I'm seeing the ability to bend more, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and not try to control things so much. Did you guys have anything besides face melting that <laughs> kind of emerged? No, mine were definitely was the impact the songs had given me at the time. Uh, especially with my uh, young desire to become a musician and how naive I was as a guitar player, especially. And I was just trying to soak everything in uh, that I could. And, you know, with thrash metal at the time, especially, and you still have it with music today, there's a lot of very similar and regurgitated formulas in, in music. You look at pop songs uh, on the radio, sometimes I can't tell fallout boy from another pop band because the singers kind of have a similar vibe you know what i mean and so things kind of become cyclical in that regard so the things that stood out and really um kind of drove me to dig deeper and push myself more as a musician that's kind of the theme that i got on there was what gave me that motivation to develop my aptitude if you will um because let's face it high school at the time wasn't very inspiring but you know this was mm-hmm. my own personal journey my uh, you know my deep dive into creativity as well as technique and focus and and that sort of thing so um all of that really lended itself to uh you know me developing myself as an individual and, and really trying to stay driven toward a goal if you will cool yeah that makes a lot of sense Mine aren't, I don't think mine are thematically linked other than they all have a strong connection to some point in my life that I can remember vividly. Okay. That maybe I don't have with other songs that are just kind of like, ah, it's okay, you know? Yeah, that's good too. I mean, obviously you're deeply affected by music. Mm-hmm. So Yes. All right, well, that was a... Well done, fellas. Horrible challenge. Horrible. <laughs> but thank you. You are welcome, my friend. Okay, so before we get on to uh, standalone, what is next week's challenge? Next week's challenge is I was reading an article uh, about Eminem performing in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and one of the lines said, "It must be hard for an artist with his, you know, his catalog to pick what to do in ninety minutes." You know, oh, gosh, yes. So, <laughs> pick an artist with at least five albums and build a concert set list. So. We'll say you can have a, you don't have to do the exact math, but you know, if you had 120 minutes, 90 minutes to 120 minutes of performance, what would you have them play? This is going to be tougher than this week's to me. 
I was going to do something really easy. You should see what I had written down, and then I continually got more pissed can, off. Can we can we tighten the parameters a little bit and just say not ninety minutes? Let's just say pick this many songs for the set list. Let's do you just know do what that. list I will create. I don't want to have to quit my job to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know how long my list is going to be if I can pick for no? No, catalog? let's tighten it. <laughs> tighten it to what? Twelve songs. You, how many? What's an average? What's an average? Five minutes. Like set list. So 15, let's do 16 songs. 16 songs, okay. And if I want to cheat, I'll have an encore. You realize we do have to get this into one podcast, too. Yeah. All right, yeah, 16 songs. But I don't feel like we'll talk about all of them. Like That's not so eclectic. Um, True. Yep. Okay. 16 songs. I like it. That's a good challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this will be this will be good. I mean, the the challenge for me is which band do I pick, and then you, like the kids versus grandkids thing. It's like, oh great, now I got to formulate a family reunion here. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I will send mayhem gifs this week. And ah, son of a. Hey, <laughs> since Monday should be coming through with that Backstreet Boys review next week. Let's go ahead and have him create a set list. For okay. his ultimate Backstreet Boys uh, concert. <laughs> you hear that, Metalhead? Get it together. Yeah, that's right. I, I got to say the thread after he listened to the episode was gold. Um, for those who heard last week, you know, we, we dogged on Monday a little bit and said that he sent a at-length text to T-Bags about his love for the Backstreet Boys and, and whatnot. And he came back, don't be hating. But uh, what's funny <laughs> is he said when he first started to hear it, he said... I don't recall having a at length message thread with tea bags at all, but he started to buy into it. Like, uh, what what did I do? And then when he started to see the joke, then it you know kind of started to fly over his head, and then it crashed on top of his uh, scalp. <laughs> yes. So, well played, tea bags, well played. Thanks. And as you said last week, love you, Monday. It's right. <laughs> so. All right. <clears throat> so this week we are reviewing standalone and why don't uh jpp you're a little more familiar with them you're our synthwave guy why don't you uh give us a little intro before we talk about the record all right so standalone is uh the solo project of one steven siebold i hope i'm pronouncing his name right um he founded the band hate department an industrial group i believe out of the late 90s and early 2000s uh they have an extensive discography and this is Definitely a completely different uh, sound from from Hate Department, of course, Um, but a fantastic guy. He actually, I had the pleasure of meeting him randomly um, through Craigslist. I had some gear that I was selling, and I got a message that, uh, I'm interested, meet me here, and went to go drop the stuff off, and uh, actually, you know, I, I will disclose, whenever somebody sends me an email on Craigslist and I get their contact information... I hate to be paranoid, but you hear horror stories. So I try to do a little checking and make sure there's no red flags and a potential scam. So um, his website was listed. I did look it up, and he had an extensive history with hate department and stuff like that. And then he also, I believe, worked with Pigface and Thrillco Cult in the past, too. So he's had a lot of professional background. So that was that was cool to have a quick chat with him as I sold him a sampler. But um, so being friends with him on social media and and kind of connecting and interacting with him i've seen some stuff come in uh through the feed about him working on this album and and sometime last year i saw this little video pop up and it's the opening uh track called destroy yourself 
and basically he's noodling with some gear and then all of a sudden he's playing drums and the song's starting to pick up momentum like what's this this is awesome it abruptly ends with the album cover just says standalone boom that's it i was like what that was it and so you know i was left hanging i'm like oh i've got to follow this so you know you don't hear anything for a while and more stuff pops on and um he recently (laughs) actually a couple months ago did one for uh take over as well and so songs kicking in and you're getting into it and next thing you know the lyrics start i'm like oh cool this one's going to go for a while Boom, it cuts off. So he did a really good job with teasers and left me wanting more. And um, so he did some live feeds talking about the album and talking about the instrumentation. It's all analog synths, drum kit, random pieces of instrumentation, little raw organic things, sheets of metal and various things to clang and bang on. So it's noisy, you know, as far as like industrial type noises with the percussion on top of analog synths. One thing that he did on this album that was uh, um, not typical for synthwave is it's not heavily processed. It's not saturated in reverb, maybe a little EQing and possibly some dynamic processing. But other than that, it's real raw. It's real in your face. And um, just a real fun ride, if you will, just kind of an organic journey through electronic elements and organic elements at the same time so that's my long spiel he's you know from what i've known of him and, and you know as for the impression i've got he's a real creative and genuine fella and um i've got to say as a person who's released music before nice job well done i'm very proud of you cool. gotcha i'll just i'll just jump in because i just want to say that when i'm doing these like album reviews i'm kind of trying to get myself a template to where i review the song but like with basically one sentence I try to do like an album review in like one minute mm-hmm. and then like just it. give my, give my rating. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I just feel like sometimes we just either give a rating and don't mention it or we talk too much about it. So that's where I'm going to land on it. You guys can do your thing, but that's how I'm going to do it. Cool. Perfect. Okay. So you guys care if I just jump in and start? Go for it. Okay. Um, first of all, excellent recommendation. Um, so destroy yourself. I thought that sounded like Depeche Mode mixed a little with IMX and Mesh and I loved the pace of it. That was a terrific intro. Uh, click bug. The intro drum sounded a little bit like Wild Thing by Tone Look, but <laughs> but then went into this mesmerizing like weirdness that I loved and love that track. Probably my favorite track on the album. Um, Abigail sound like a '80s movie sound, um, mm-hmm. but then these sharp metal sounds kind of came in and these chorused voices and it took it to this like underground industrial uh, direction, which I really liked. Um, underground, <clears throat> I thought that was head bobbing and groovy. Ready to Kill, I felt that was like a, I, I always compare and I don't mean to, but Stabbing Westward slash Orgy intro feel. Um, I just didn't like the repetitiveness of that song. And maybe it's just, you know, five tracks in at that point. Um, the building song, I love the narrative vibe at the beginning over these sci-fi sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really kind of nice break, a place to put that. Uh, Short for Life, great buildup of bendy sounds and beeps. <laughs> but I loved it. Uh, it. It felt like a toned down ministry feel on the percussion. And uh, I like that the music had a chance to be up front and show off a little bit. And the vocals just kind of were here and there. Um, Takeover, I knew I liked this from the beginning. The opening sounds and the whispers sound like a video game, kind of 8-bit synths. Um, mm-hmm. And it had a vibe, kind of like The Faint, a band I love that was experimenting. Um, leading that into Love is Invisible. Uh, I was hoping just based on the title it would be a little dark and it didn't disappoint. That was kind of an eerie song. I liked it. Uh, and then they wrapped up with Sing. And uh, I'm always really big on album closers. I want to see how they did it. Uh, maybe I'm spoiled by Nine Inch Nails, but 
Um, I feel like this is a groovy and fitting way to end the album. Um, it was a solid track, and it had a little bit in the music vibe, a uh, sound of Nine Inch Nails and Nitzer Ep to me. So uh, cool. all in all, I gave it a 4.325, and it is an absolute will listen again. Very good. That's excellent. I'm going to tighten up the show as well and just go with a ditto. 4.325. Paul? Okay. <laughs> nice. Oh, um, <laughs> we're going to have this show over no time. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. Typically, this is not what I listen to. Uh, I, I don't mind synth, obviously. I mean, Rush experimented heavily in the late 70s, early 80s, and everything with synth. But um, something that is dominated by synth is definitely not typically my thing. The first time I heard it, um, I'll be honest, I didn't like it. Um, I had to go back, but I knew we were reviewing it, and I didn't want to just kind of brush it off. And so I listened to it a couple more times, and um, it really did start to grow on me. Um, And Tony mentioned the 80s theme song, and I think that's where it got me. There's a real nostalgic feel for me of the 80s with this, and and maybe it's just simply because it has the synth, but um, in Abigail, um, I kind of got like a Beverly Hills Cop feeling at the beginning of that. (laughs) Um, and then the rest of them, that synth sound kind of gave me a feeling back to like the John Hughes movies or something. I don't know, but that kind of hit a sweet spot with me. And um, I really like the first track, Destroy Yourself, especially the handheld vacuum cleaner scene that was going on in there. I thought that was a really <laughs> nice touch. That's a drill, actually. That was a drill? Mm-hmm. It sounded like we've got this little Dyson <laughs> handheld, and that's exactly what it sounds like. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. I guess it's more industrial if it's a drill, but whatever. <laughs> well, you know, I, I may have and, to use a vacuum cleaner and report back to you in one of my tunes. So, oh <laughs> yeah, Do you, if you need to borrow, let me know. I've got a Dyson. I think we're, we'll be all right. Sweet. <laughs> um, so anyway, I've been listening as I've been working. So I listened to it at the office one day. I was writing a paper today. I listened. I listened to it. I worked out, um, and I really got the groove of it. I, I kind of dig it, and um, I expect that I will be listening to it again, and I will probably be ready to dip my toe into more synth wave as we move forward. And I would give it a solid four out of five. Nice. Sweet. And that's very cool. Well, I'll give my, my quick synopsis as well. Um, you know, I, I went through the, the, what I know as far as like the, the backstory and, and that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, the songs are great. Tony really hit it on the head with the feel and the grooves of, of the tunes. Destroy Yourself was definitely one of the top ones that, uh, I heavily enjoyed. Abigail was fantastic. Um, I really liked the building song. I felt like it was a nice little interlude between, um, you know, the first half and the second half of the album. Uh, my other, uh, faves were certainly Take Over and Love is Invisible. I, th- I really liked, how kind of soft Love is Invisible is and there's a nice little dark bass line going and um, just little accents with uh, melodies and things like that kind of sprinkled in between there too and that's the thing that's really cool about this album is it's not super busy it's not over inundated with a lot of synths they're kind of placed strategically they accent the vocal parts and on top of it the vocals are great too he really plays a lot with dynamics he just kind of sings from the heart Um, it's just very real and when he does whisper, you can still hear it over what's going on. And then, you know, things may not sound American Idol ready, if you know what I mean. And that's not a bad thing by any means. And I'm a big fan of vocalists who may have a, a little bit of um, imperfection in their sound, like meaning you may hear the voice crack a little bit or a little vibrato that is accentuated. And I think that's fine because that lends to the feel of 
where where this thing comes from you know what i mean because my voice resonates in a way that displays me much like tony's voice and you know foggy's voice as well so um you know when you're doing that on music you're being authentic then that really sells me on it too so um no i was heavily impressed with with the the teasers all the way up to the release i'm going to give this a 4.75 out of 5 um and it's not because i've met the guy and interacted with him i just really enjoyed the entire process up to this point and i actually am holding the cd in my hand so i ordered it and uh excuse me it's a basic um you fold it out the cd comes out there's a nice little picture at the bottom let me pull it out real quick here there we go yeah it looks like an oscilloscope screen and then there's a picture of a studio on the other side he has a cool killing joke poster and some of his various pieces of gear that uh is impressive in there um and if you order off of Bandcamp, the the label is negative gain they sent me also a sampler uh it's called obey the noise volume three and there's 12 tracks um standalones takeover is one of the tracks that's on here but uh there's other groups like strangers caustic wire spine um i'm gonna have to give this a listen i haven't had a chance to check it out yet but you know thanks for the bonus piece and i'm really excited to check out some new music right on i knew you'd love it as soon as i heard it i know you recommended it but it was i knew it was right up your alley all right well that was uh that was a very pleasant review. It's nice we all three found something uh, new that we dug. Next week, I don't think we have any idea what we're getting into. Um, planning to review the Claypool Linen Delirium. Um, pretty sure that's coming out. If by chance it is not, we will do mm-hmm. Dream Theater. So uh, you'll definitely get one of those. And if you're if we're feeling up to it, maybe you'll get a bonus and get both. Who knows? We'll see how the week goes at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Ish. before we wrap up this week, what's everybody listening to, JPP? Um, I d- didn't really do a lot of digging aside from standalone. I did, like I said, I went back and listened to some Hate Department too, just to kind of hear the contrast between his you know, big works that he's worked on in the past to this. Um, also, he's, got, he's in a band called Mute, M-U-E-T. Their album's not out yet, but um, it's going to be an- another completely different style from both of these projects when when that's about to come out i'll let you guys know maybe we can give that a listen too but uh uh, it's really interesting to see you know the different creative facets that this guy's up to but um yeah so a lot of standalone i've actually been working on stuff of my own too um been doing some uh vocals on some tracks lately as well as i just finished out a a little synthwave piece this afternoon um it's going to be the closing track so be sure to if you made it this far please stick around for a couple more minutes and listen to that let me know what you think and uh yeah that's it fantastic Tea bags. Um, uh, funny you mentioned last Paul because I I started listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails again. Um, that I just feel like I've kind of skipped over. So last was definitely actually in my playlist. Um, and then I I went back and listened to Hesitation Marks because I feel like that album doesn't get it to do, mm-hmm. and I re- I don't really like it. Um, I went back and listened to the Faints album Wet from Birth, which I really really love that album. Um, as well as Depeche Mode Violator. That's kind of like a, just in a synth eighties type thing going on um and then nitsareb uh when i was reviewing that i was like i haven't heard them for a while so i went back to listen one of my favorite songs is i give to you and um then i kind of rounded that out with a couple of different songs like uh, glory box from portishead and uh passenger by the deftones featuring maynard stevie well i didn't gosh i hate it when i get like this but you know working on you know my (laughs) 
master's class stuff, got all these things to write. So I didn't listen to a whole lot. I did realize that listening to Synthwave while working out is not necessarily the best idea. It doesn't really drive you as much. So uh, I don't recommend it for that. Uh, last week, I, I think I had mentioned in our challenge, uh, Our Lady piece. So I listened to uh, their most recent album while I was at work this week. And other than that, I listened to some podcasts. Uh, Word Balloon with John Suntress, really good stuff. Uh, the I finally caught up with the Bendis tapes. I know, Tony, you know I'm a big Brian Bendis fan. Absolutely. And uh, what I love about him on Word Balloon is it's not just a comics conversation. It usually goes to movies and writing and structure and usually get a lesson in there. And I really like that because I'll probably die before I get anything written. But at some point, I want to write something. So just keep listening, learning, trying to get better. Uh, speaking of podcasts, um, I haven't listened to a single episode yet, but Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs and Returning the Favor has a new podcast out, and he's like, are you frustrated with your podcast length? Uh, I can do it in like 10 minutes or whatever. So he's got like, I think, 10-minute episodes. Wow. And I'm going to check that out. 10 or 15-minute episodes, yeah. But it seems very cool, and I, I really enjoyed listening to him speak on a lot of different topics. Um, I like his like really tied to the blue-collar mm-hmm. workers in America. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, just uh, hopefully next week I'll be talking about how, how that podcast is. Well, I can speed this one up in my software so we could get this one down to 15 <laughs> minutes. It might not be listenable, but I can do it. Uh, Micro but no, to- uh Yeah, exactly. But um, now, Foggy, a couple of things you said, uh, you know, with Synthwave, the standalone album, um, while it may have a, a Synthwave kind of feel to it, it's not your typical synthwave the most of the stuff that uh, is out there that as far as like the uh conventional synthwave is reverberated the drums are more um you know kind of gated and 80 style and, and kind of a faster pace too for that matter so i'll have to send you some some yes goodies. give There's me even... <laughs> give me something to listen to and i will come back next week with my what am i listening to and i will give a brief review of whatever <laughs> song or songs you give me Got it. And then also, too, you know, mentioning what you're listening to, and you mentioned some theme songs. I'm surprised the theme to Golden Girls didn't make you number one. <laughs> Such a good it one. It was number three, but I, my lists were, you know, confusing. <laughs> yes. And I, I, the the Chips theme song was up there, too. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. That's good um, stuff. All right, then. Oh, and I will say, um, working out to Synthwave, actually, you can kind of get a groove going. It depends on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, but it isn't. It isn't like you're gonna be ultra motivated or anything. But if you just want some sort of like pace or something, and you're you're on an elliptical or something, you might be able to keep yeah. you on task. So definitely good for cardio. Yes, I mean this is coming from someone who hasn't touched the equipment for two months. So I can't say <laughs> what would motivate me to get on. I like more angry music. I do. Too. I agree. All right, JPP, where can we find you? Hanging out on Instagram under Just Plain Paul and the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Instagram as well, and on the Facebook page as well at Wanderings and Wool Gathering, posting some silly things here and there that I find that are funny or entertaining, uh, or even uh, and educating, uh, much like when uh, Billy Corgan got his old guitar back. So Yay. I try to sprinkle some of those uh, little tidbits of knowledge out there when possible. So feel free cool. to check that out and you know comment and let us know if you have any feedback on that or if you find anything interesting, let us know. We'd be happy to hear about it. And I am uh, kind of hanging on on the Facebook page too. Um, behind the scenes, we're building our website. So by the end of the month, we should have uh, a place where you can go and do a little bit more interactions or see a little bit more notes from us. Uh, but other than that, Facebook it is for now. 
Perfect. And you can find me at Foggy's Pal on Twitter and Instagram and writing various articles for you to disagree with. So that's pretty pretty exciting. <laughs> and uh, obviously you can find this podcast anywhere you can find any podcast, such as iTunes, and um, you can even find us on the Blue HQ Media Network um, at sportsmediapass.com. So anything else, gentlemen, for the good of the cause? Nope, just thank God that's over. <laughs> no, yeah, just uh, thanks for listening, and you know, we'll catch you next week. If you have any albums out there that you, we haven't even touched base on that you know is coming out and you want us to uh, review and listen to, we'd be happy to, to check it out. So please contact us and let us know. Perfect. Next week, the Claypool Lennon Delirium. Come back and we'll see you then. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.